We here at the Other Ship Podcast would like to acknowledge the passing of longtime wrestler, promoter, and owner Ole Anderson, member of the Four Horsemen, the Andersons, Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Great promo. Some say he was the shits. You say, here's to you, Ole. Rest in peace. We here at the Other Ship Podcast would like to acknowledge the recent passings of both Mike Jones, also known as Virgil, the bodyguard of the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and also the butcher, Paul Vachon, brother of Mad Dog Maurice Vachon. They were a great tag team in the AWA in Canada and Montreal for many, many years. We want to pay respect to them. To Virgil, we want to say we hope when you arrive at the pearly gates, there's piles of fuck money and vats and cauldrons of meat sauce. Rest in peace. I want to say rest in peace to our good friend, Glenn Stewart, who has lost his battle with cancer this week, who is the lead singer and guitarist of the B Street Band, a band that played Doc and I's wedding day and was a tremendous friend, tremendous friend, incredible guy to the entire clan, a friend of the Spiker family of Mac and Dr. Spiker and myself. He went out of his way to acknowledge us every single time. We spent a lot of time with him. We knew his wife. We knew his kids, too. And it was just a, it's a very sad time. So just do me a favor. Hug the ones you love. Tell them you love them. Just make sure they know. the other ship podcast happy to have you here i'm your host chris i'm not a spoiler spiker and with us tonight to recap the elimination chamber we have our special guest magnificent mark Beaudry in the house longtime listener first time guest happy to have you here sir thanks for having me guys looking forward to it we have michael t.s herrick what's up and last but certainly not least drew the apologist fez hello everybody so, gentlemen, this past weekend we had the Elimination Chamber live from the beautiful stadium in Perth, Australia. I gotta say, that stadium looked mighty impressive. And that view they had, those overhead views were amazing. Another instance where I wish they would bring back the drone camera. Yes. Right? Exactly. So They pretty much sold me on wanting to go there with all the ads that they did. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I told Christy and I go, doesn't that just make you want to go? I mean, between it's like one giant tourism ad, the whole show yeah. in between the matches and everything. I'm really curious what kind of tax credit or whatever they received for doing the multitude of ads throughout the broadcast like that, because there had to be some kind of a break or something that they got, you know, in exchange for that. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't pay the rent on the stadium. Right. Yeah. It could be. That could you know, be something like that. Ads didn't bother me that much. I mean, I wasn't no. like, oh, man, another ad. It just gave me a chance to like run and grab another drink. No, exactly. Right. And you have a great show. Those things don't bother you at all. No, I, I definitely I enjoyed this show. 
I saw somebody post somewhere online that it was a four and a half hour show and there was only an hour and 50 minutes of wrestling. Well, that's kind of disingenuous to start with because it was four hours and 19 minutes. Yeah. Number one. Number two, the first hour is the pre-show where it's at minimum 45 minutes of talking and previewing and everything else. So you can't really count that as part of the show when it's literally labeled the kickoff show. (laughs) A separate entity. So in a three hour show, we had an hour and 50 minutes of wrestling. I don't think that's bad in that size stadium where your entrances are going to take longer. You know, it's not like you're working MSG or something where you've got a short entrance way. You're right. talking about a 50,000 seat stadium. That's a big difference. And those entrances are such a huge part of the show. It's a spectacle. Right. I look forward to those. And right. if you think about it, four matches, well, if he says plus a fifth thing with the Waller effect, yeah, uh, with four uh, 110 minutes of wrestling into four, or even if you add the five, I mean, that's over 20 minutes a segment. I mean, the 30 minutes each for the chambers and a Hell of a tag that we'll get into, but yeah, it was fantastic. But everything felt fine, though. Like, none of it felt long. It moved quick, and, you know, then you're looking like, oh, shit, we're done. Yeah, there was nothing bad on the show, and nothing that blew you away, but they did a fantastic job of setting up WrestleMania, and I was a little slow at work, and I'm already, when my bosses are looking, riding down my WrestleMania matches. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> the last big stop on the road to WrestleMania. But I do want to talk about just real quick about how there's not a lot of bloat on a lot of these shows. And they seem like really like fast and compact, even though they're like, Oh, there's only four or five matches on there. They go fast as opposed to watching the old shows where it's like you have eight, nine matches and they feel like they take six hours. Yeah. The four or five matches is triple H's old NXT takeover formula, which Yep. And I miss those. I mean, I mean, I still enjoy NXT, but those old days, I mean, those four or five takeover shows were the best. <laughs> and when you have compelling stories, compelling athletes, exactly. and you truly have anticipation built for the matches, all the pre-show and the filler stuff and the promos, yeah. it's all good because it's that anticipation's built. They do such a fantastic job with those videos that if you're not caught up, if you just get like some friends over that don't pay attention every week, they don't feel lost watching these things because they do such a great job on those recap videos. Right. And that's, I think their big goal is if we aren't catching people every week watching Raw and SmackDown, that's fine. We catch people that don't watch our weekly product. They're going to get everything they need to know. And maybe we've developed a new fan that's tuning in Monday night now to see what happens. Yeah. Christine, for example, when she sat and watched the replay with me, she hadn't seen anything since the Rumble. But between what I told her and then all these video packages, she goes, "Okay, everything makes sense. It does. The video packages do a great job of taking you from the previous pay-per-view or PLE to where they are tonight. Within a three minute vignette. Thankfully, they don't use Creed anymore for those. But (laughs) 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 some music in the background, you know, they give you a visual aid and you're like, oh, okay, this is how we got here so like i watch occasionally or a lot of stuff i'll seek out that mike tells me you need to watch this so i'll get on youtube or whatever and find it immediately and i'll watch that but i just usually watch the ple's and we're never lost we never feel like wait well what's happening here you never have that feeling they do a great job of explaining everything to you Yep. I'm the same way. I've pretty much watched the PLEs, even though they got me drawn in to watching some SmackDowns and some Raws. And if not catching all the YouTube clips or the one hour 
show they have, I think, on Saturday mornings. It comes down for recapping WWE that week on the Peacock Network. So, yeah, no, it's great to be, like, this interested in a product again. And it's six weeks before Mania, and I got, like, 13 matches written down that could potentially be the show. You know? It's fantastic. And I love being a fan and just guessing what's going to happen next. I don't like to know, you know? I just love being a fan and and enjoying it and being taken out of it. Mike probably won't get to it till later on this week, but Raw last night did a lot of good too. There was some definite advancement yes. on Raw this week. Yep. We didn't watch it yet. We're going to watch it tomorrow. We had a couple of disagreements <laughs> getting ready for dinner last night, so we didn't end up watching it. But I did read the recap and everything, and certainly sounds like it was a good show and moved things forward. Yes. That's one thing I think we've had in the last, uh, I mean, we're closing in on almost two years of Triple H booking, but especially in the last year, maybe since the rumble of last year, at least since Mania, we've had such coherent, insistent storytelling that, like you said, the video packages tell you everything from show to show because everything still makes sense and it's a linear story, right? Yep. There's not random rewrites at the last minute that you say, well, yeah, you just showed me everything that happened last month, but half of it doesn't make sense. We don't have that anymore. Yeah, exactly. It's planned and everything flows. It's almost like with the fallout from the rumble and everything you had, like we got that press conference in Vegas with the rock and Cody and you had the suspension of disbelief, which you don't get anymore. No. And it's amazing. Yeah, I love it. That's what made me a fan as a eight year old kid. Yeah. You know, they say with the way they're booking now, there's no more of the uh, that doesn't work for me, brother stuff. (laughs) I mean, geez, we're six weeks out. We supposedly know the main event, but do we know the main event, though? Because there are so many twists and turns and everything you can do between now and then. Yep. There's so many moving parts in that storyline that it. To me, it's very exciting. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that are very exciting about this year's WrestleMania. Absolutely. Is anybody going in the Philly area? I took a one look at ticket prices and noped the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah, I think Jamie said he had an opportunity to go, but compared to just sitting at home and watching it and not having to pay for expensive food and expensive everything. (laughs) Yeah. And that stadium is not fun to get out of. Thank God the Phillies are away that weekend because that stadium can be hell to get out of. I've been there and in that area many, many times and it's not fun at all. And it's going to get jammed. It's going to be a mess. And Philly's going to Philly. So (laughs) you better be careful. You might get hit with a battery next time you're in town. (laughs) (laughs) Only if he dresses up as Santa Claus. I lived in Philly for a year and a half with a Pittsburgh Penguins bumper sticker on my vehicle. And nothing happened to it. I think I'm pretty okay. (laughs) I lived dangerously when Christine was in med school. Then the moment we said, I do, I think my living dangerously kind of stopped. Just (laughs) when you think you're safe, that's when the batteries come out. (laughs) <laughs> hey, you know what? If I can handle getting beat on by a rambunctious 15-month-old like I do day in and day out now, I think I'm safe. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he friggin' throat punched me the other day when I asked him if he wanted to watch the Elimination Chamber with Data. I hope you sold it. That's oh, why almost spoiling it when I told you to shut up. You kept talking the other day, so he knows what's up. I hired out my assassin work here. Wait till he yeah. gives you mood of mist, but it's actually <laughs> like food. Yeah, I was going to say, it'll be like the pea carrot spinach baby food, all grain shit coming out of me. You'll hear me screaming all the way in Indiana. <laughs> He's perfected the spit thing, but not like the projectile spit thing. But that's enough about that. 
Getting back to the show at hand, there were four matches plus the Grayson Waller effect. We had the pre-show match, the tag team match with the Kabuki Warriors retaining the women's tag team titles. And it was a fun little match. And I'm glad that Indy got a chance to wrestle in yes. her home country there. And even though it wasn't on the main show, it was a nice moment for her. And it was a fun match. You're always going to end up with something good with Asuka and Kyrie on one side. Absolutely. They could drag anybody to a good match at least. And this was fun. And good on Candace for taking the pin for everybody yep. in yeah. their hometown. Yep. Speaking of people in their hometowns, shout out to Bronson Reed for being a dad for the first time and missing the show in Australia. That's really cool. I read that was the reason why he wasn't on the show. Apparently, he was supposed to challenge Seth Rollins before Seth got hurt. They were trying to find something else for him. Then he's like, well, my wife's due around the time. So everything worked out. Apparently, he's a happy dad. So congratulations to you, Mr. Reed. That's awesome. All right, starting off with the women's chamber match, which was spectacular, I must say. We had Becky Lynch, we had Bianca Belair, we had Tiffany Stratton, Liv Morgan, Raquel Rodriguez, and Naomi. Before we start, I want to give another shout out to Raquel Rodriguez for working the match, even though her mass cell apparently flared up on the way to Australia. I didn't notice it till last night when I was watching. You can kind of see it on her face a little bit, like the breakout was still on her face. You know, when they hit the lights for her coming down to the ring, I'm like, oh, I read about it in between the show and everything. They're like, yeah, she almost didn't make it because of how bad it got. So apparently wrestling quite a bit of pain. So good on her for going out there and all six of these women, we said it on the pre-show. They were going to show up and show out, and they did. This yep. was match of the night. Easily. All six of them were going to bring it. I loved Australia's love for Tiffany Stratton. I think she was even shocked by when she come running in, too. It was the Tiffany Stratton show. Yes. She looked like definitely like she belonged. And did you see her comment on social media that where she kind of thanked the fans for cheering, but you know, kind of blamed them, too, that if they cheered a little louder, maybe she would have won? <laughs> That's fantastic. I feel like the matches she'd had on SmackDown so far had been fine. I don't feel like she looked 100% comfortable in them. I don't know if maybe she was in awe of the situation or what, but here it's like she'd been up on the main roster for 10 years. Yeah. She was just so in sync with everything and bumping and feeding and just fantastic. The sky is the limit. Her and Liv both worked really well together, too, in the match, I thought. I thought Liv showed really well also. Yes, yep. she did. Agreed. There should be your new heel female tag team. Get them together, call them the new Hollywood Blondes. I just like how Liv was like very like capitalistic. <laughs> I don't know if that's the word I want to use, but she was capitalizing on everything. That, you know, yeah. Somebody made a big move and she'd sneak in and try to steal a pin. How she got Bianca. Yeah. I, mean, it was, I actually it have it on my notes that Liv would be a good heel. Yeah, she was a good heel what, when they did the, uh, the Riot Squad. They were heels yeah. for at least a stretch, weren't they? Yeah. And she showed a lot of aggression. Like Drew said, she was looking to capitalize at every turn, but she wasn't being passive at all in the match. She was constantly going on the attack, it seemed like. And that feels like, especially with the way they built her trying to come back and get revenge for getting hurt, like this is a path you could go and turn her heel fairly soon and use this as like a jumping off point to accomplish that. Yep. Her little crybaby thing when she eliminated Tiffany, I'm like, that was gold, especially because the crowd was so moaned hot about that. Yeah. I kind of was too, but I think it would have been pretty sweet if Tiffany made it to the last two, if it went down to her and Becky at the end there. I thought that would have been absolutely superb. 
and see if they want to boot Becky. But see, that's the thing. You couldn't know going in how the crowd was going to react. But after seeing the crowd reaction to Tiffany, if it would have come down to her and Becky at the end, I think you would have had a real problem with the crowd turning on your baby face. I'm glad they didn't go that route. As much as I would have liked to have seen Tiffany last longer in the match, I think it was probably for the best that it went the way it did. Her beautiful swanton off the chamber cell. Fantastic. It's like Mike said, she looked like a natural and it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. All six of them, everything about the match I felt hit. The eliminations, a couple spots I had written down, Raquel hitting Bianca with a powerbomb off the cage, like the little slingshot powerbomb move she did on Bianca. I'm like, holy shit, that was cool. And just Bianca being the powerhouse she was. Yeah. Left and right. I love Naomi's spot with the head between the knees and just ramming her into the cage. Oh, yeah. It's like how Becky was doing the armbar through the cage. Yes, Yes, disarm her through the cage. The whole match, I felt like it was the best match of the night, and it was first, so I mean, everybody had a lot to follow. We kind of expected that. No matter where they were going to be, they were going to steal the show because it's six women, five of which had nothing to prove, and one who had to show up did in spades. I just want to say, as a father of daughters, it's fucking awesome to me to watch these ladies go out there and not only rival the men competitively and athletically, but also rival them in popularity and delivering every time. It's awesome to see we've come a long way from Donna Christianello versus Velvet McIntyre. (laughs) I think that my daughter would still be a fan if we didn't have the women's revolution and everything that's happened. But I don't think she'd be a fan on the same level. The fact that she's getting to see these women go out and get the proper treatment, billed as stars, main eventing the show, and treated as equals to the men makes a huge difference. Representation matters. Yep. And they have the opportunity right now to develop a strong female fan base, starting with young girls starting to watch and continuing on as fans, watching not just the athletic ability, like Tiffany's back-to-back handspring elbows. Oh, God, yeah. Moodle-like. I mean, yes, that's exactly what I said. She didn't have quite the same, uh, what, what's the word I want, out-of-control nature. <laughs> That Muda always had because his was so just like at a thousand miles an hour. Yeah. But yeah. the impact when she hit was very reminiscent of Muda. Yeah. Can absolutely tell she was a gymnast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, to think she's been what doing this for only two years, I think. Two or three at the most. Yeah. yeah. And that's kudos to like the NXT. Shawn Michaels and that group, they are just getting those guys trained for these big stages that they're on. I have to agree with what Mike and I were talking in one of the threads that she could be the Money in the Bank winner this year. She can take that women's Money in the Bank and maybe cash it on Bailey if Bailey wins the title or who knows, hang on to it till the end of the year or do something with it. But I could definitely see her having that kind of pool at this point. Yeah, so many options with everybody that was involved in this match and things that are doing with Jade Cargill and just so many others. It's exciting to see so many stars on not just the woman, but the men and the tag team. It's great. They're tossing around a lot of ideas. What should main event WrestleMania night one? I'm telling you, it needs to be Rhea and Becky or Bailey and EO. It needs to be one of the women's matches because I don't think anything will be very few matches will be as good as them. And I feel like they've all earned it just for the story, just for the potential of the match, everything. Let them show up and show out. Rhea Ripley's popularity rivals anybody in wrestling, period. Obviously not Austin Rock or Hogan level, but it's legit. If she's not the top star in the company right now, she's right fucking there. 
Agreed. One of my best friend's daughter, she's 10 years old, and I go over there and watch some of these events with them, and the biggest Rhea Ripley fan, and it's amazing to watch her and her friends just cheering for her and being so excited to watch wrestling because of her. It's incredible. Yeah, that's like when you get on social media, I don't see Seth Rollins when I open Instagram or whatever. It's Rhea Ripley all over the place. And what makes it awesome is you see her interacting with fans like young girls, giving them high fives, giving them hugs and being like that ambassador and just being the person that you would hope that somebody would be like that, especially in the role she's in. And yeah. she's still a quote unquote heel. <laughs> not for <Yeah>. long. <laughs> quote unquote heel, but not yeah. for long. She's going to yeah. transcend the business at yeah. some point very soon. If she's not in a movie or something in the next two years, I'll be shocked because her charisma is just off the charts. Agreed. As we've said, Becky wins the match and moves on to Mania. We got Mommy versus the man. Next up, we have the tag team title match with the Judgment Day versus the new Catch Republic. I had the laugh from Corey Graves is like, man, it sounds like somewhere where my wife shops. <laughs> I don't know why that popped me huge. The first thing I wrote down was Dominic getting booed the fuck out of the stadium. <laughs> that never gets old. Hearing him get booed because he's so smarmy. And judging by the way he went down on Raw, um, he about to get it. It's more and more Art Bar every week, week after week after week, time after time. He's turning into Art Bar. <laughs> and that's a good thing as a heel. He's getting the heel reactions that his real daddy used to get when his real daddy was full on smarmy ass heel mode. Eddie could have you cheering forever, but he could also make you hate him with every fiber of your being. That's why he's one of my all-time favorites, because he can hit that pendulum. And like you said, that heat that he got when he grabbed the microphone out of the announcer's hands for the introduction, that was just amazing. And you can hear it, even though one of my notes I had, was the crowd not mic'd up well? Was it because it was an open ear? But you could still hear it come through, even though I didn't think the crowd was mic'd up as well as it has been in the past. But I think that was something to do with the open air stadium. Yeah, I think they have not perfected how to get the crowd noise to translate properly for the open air stadiums. Yeah. I'm not sure if there's a way they can do it. If you could, they would have found it, right? Right. My favorite thing at the beginning was when they were talking about our truth and how he wasn't going to be there because he was in Austria. <laughs> <laughs> how can you not love that guy? Right? He's a survivor. <laughs> He's the best. Which makes me, I mean, we'll talk about the match, but I mean, is Judgment Day versus Our Truth and the Miz one of the matches? And, you know, maybe with some other tag teams in it, too. So they're going to be involved some way, I would imagine. Yeah, this is one of the only problems with, like, the unified tag team titles. You could give that one, and then you could have, like, the multi-team scramble for another. That's, like, one of the only downside to having these unified tag team titles. And I wouldn't be surprised if they have two sets of tag team champions again. But my theory is until they get one set of belts, you know, they'll probably be two champions again. They could also do the United States Tag Team Championship or they don't want yes. to do, you know, a world or whatever. I would love that. I feel like the way they've made Judgment Day so dominant, I think that they should maybe book like a gauntlet match at Mania for the tag titles and let them show how strong they are. And you can still have Dom and JD play into it at various different times. But then maybe you have like The Miz and R-Truth come out as the last team and they get the win just because Judgment Day has been worn down by the New Day and New Catch Republic and DIY. There's yep. so many options. You can throw in Solo and Jimmy, even. Yeah. Imperium, New Day, AOP, yeah. Pretty Deadly, LWO, DIY. I mean, look at yeah. that. That's an impressive Green list. 
You guys remember when He Who Shall Not Be Named didn't like the tag team division. We all had wrestlers just kind of thrown together as tag teams. And now we have like an overabundance. To me, that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of tag team wrestling, especially old school tag team wrestling. So this to me is like, ah, so cool. That's what this match was like, right? I mean, this was like Tully and On versus the Rock and Roll Express. Oli and On versus the Rock and Rolls. It it was fantastic. Don and Bate, you know, you can argue that they came out looking better, even with a loss. I had made the comment on the preview that I thought this would be a match of the year candidate. And I think it might not be that high up, but it was a damn good match. I pretty much already made my disdain known for LA Knight's boots, but Tyler Bate has that guy beat. It's <laughs> oh, where I've seen since the I'm thing. looking, I'm like, who's the guy with the DVDs and the Timberlands? <laughs> That's Amy's comment every time is, I wish he'd wear knee pads because it looks like he's wearing his underwear. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it clearly does. <laughs> he looks like a guy who heard his truck getting stolen in the morning and just ran out of the house. <laughs> We're watching the tag team match and Christine goes, I have two questions. One, how tall is he? And two, what's up with those shoes? <laughs> his, his trunks are from the Rosie O'Donnell collection. They got big holes in the front. Of course, I know what Pete Dunn is, but what's up with the other guy? <laughs> and then she thought what he was doing. She goes, oh, okay. <laughs> Bane doing the airplane spin on Damian Priest. That's when she goes, okay, now I get it. When he was doing the airplane spin, another great line from Corey Graves on commentary. So this being Australia, does it go in the opposite direction? <laughs> yes. I, and then right after that airplane spin, is that when Dom stopped the pin and got thrown out? Yes. Fantastic. The thing I liked about that is that sometimes when you see them throw somebody out, it costs that, that team to lose. And that didn't happen in this situation, which I liked. Yeah. The bait spring back lariat to Priest on the floor. There was a lot of good. Like you said, Mark, fantastic. It felt like an old school tag team match. Yep. Double and, burning uh, hammer. Yes. Great moves. I love Tyler Bate, how he does those unique setups to moves. How he like does the head first dive into the rope where he just like lawn darts himself yeah. into the rope for a quick turnaround. Yep. It's so unique and just different. You don't see people doing that, especially guys in their underwear. <laughs> no, I jest, but I mean, what a hell of a match, man. And what a great team in Badar. I mean, they're incredible. And I love the finish. The double choke slam, boom, and then Balor's already on the top. It kind of reminded me of almost the perfect plex in a way. Yeah. Yep. Just the big yes. delivery of the big hit, and then boom, and then almost immediately here come Finn with the coup de gras. And I mean, it, it looked like he hit him good with that fucker, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes forward into a roll. He hit him and just like fell on his ass. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> but what a great, great finish. That was awesome. I timed it at 17 minutes, and I made a note. Drew will be happy because I think you said you wanted at least 20 minutes on the preview show. That right. I thought it was an awesome <laughs> match. Like I said, I don't know if it's match of the year level, but I mean, it's definitely a front runner here in February. Yeah, tremendous match. And like you said, the impact on that coup de gras, it very much reminded me of juiced up Macho Man era elbow drop, where, you know, those guys, he wasn't taking it on his hip anymore. Those guys were taking it on the chest, you know, Lord. full impact. And that's what that, and it looked brutal. And I'm sure it was like a Mr. Perfect drop kick where you barely even felt it, but it looked brutal. And that, to me, just adds to the domination factor. The way Judgment Day stands out and they're, we're going to kick your ass and you can't do anything about it kind of attitude. Beaton Dunn's Tag Team Birmingham. I love the fact that it's called the Birmingham. I had to look it up just to make sure. 
that is fucking that's, that's smart i didn't even catch that that's great i just looked it up just to be sure i heard it and mark will appreciate this being a northeast indie guy do you know what that stomp reminded me of remind me of when loki used to do it all the time oh geez yeah and like yeah. absolutely just looked like he killed people with it which well, i hear because well, he, he did he did kill people with it oh yeah well, well I, hear <laughs> liked, I hear if he liked you he landed a certain way but if he didn't like you good luck yeah but he didn't like a lot of people oh no, he, he was a yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a good point that you bring up. I didn't even think of that, but absolutely spot on. Yep, Judgment Day retain on their way to Mania, and we'll see what happens with them there because probably a few bumps in the road from the sound of last night. I'd like to point out that Judgment Day are getting to that Tully and Arn level of me wanting to see them lose. Every time oh, yeah. they're in the ring now, like, I want them to fucking lose, <laughs> but they don't. It's that Tully and Arn thing. You appreciate because, their work. But you're like, God damn, somebody beat these assholes. Well, because look <laughs> who they beat. They've beaten DIY. They've beaten the Creed. They've beaten Dun and Date. They've beat all these great teams. They've beat everybody. Yeah. So it's like, who's next? You know, it's like, who do you have left? Like somebody said, maybe they do a gauntlet and they actually don't lose the titles by getting pinned. Because it looked like from Raw last night, you know, if they break up the whole thing and Rhea goes babyface and Dom goes off with, what are they calling him, his old name again? Charlotte's husband. Uh, Andrade. They just, you know, left a little breadcrumb there too. You know, that could be a some type of tandem right there too. That would be fun. Yeah, that would be really fun. Dom has come such a long way that I want to see him keep working with these really talented people and keep improving. I that's couldn't true. stand him when you first started. See, that's really good booking on their part, too, to leave those crumbs in case you need to change direction or somebody gets hurt so that you have a logical way to get back to something instead of just pulling something out of your ass. <laughs> exactly. The booking's been amazing. Like, the underbooking of the booking that they've been doing, the booking within the booking has been incredible. Because they're tapping into long-term storytelling, and they're digging into it, and they come back around to everything eventually, and I think that's awesome. You could say they're doing it like uh, they used to, WrestleMania to WrestleMania. And I went to WrestleMania last year in Los Angeles, and I mean, for the whole ride home, there was like four of us going, what did they do not giving Cody the belt? How can they stretch it out a couple more months? Well, they stretched it out a whole year, <laughs> which is incredible. So, like you said, that long term. Right. Would you have thought after that finish last year how fucking crazy mad people were that we'd be sitting here six weeks away from the next WrestleMania and everybody's just like, I can't wait. This is awesome. Yeah. You and know? think about how many people said Cody's going to just, he's going to be cooled off in two months. By SummerSlam, he's going to be an afterthought. There's no way to keep him hot. And like you said, six weeks away, Cody's as hot as he was going into Mania last year maybe it's not even more so yeah exactly i applaud them they have made cody into the monster baby face and again we're gonna leave this for the wrestlemania pre-show where do you go if he doesn't win but i don't think we're gonna have to answer that question but that's another story speaking of cody Rhodes, shall we move on to the grayson waller effect and talk about that a little bit grayson waller and austin theory come out do their thing and here comes cody Rhodes and seth rollins can somebody please explain to me the shoey thing is that like a cultural like australian thing yeah i'm guessing you didn't watch the whatever the press event was they did friday at noon australia time so it was like 11 o'clock thursday night our time we watched that before we watched the pre-show and show oh. on saturday waller and rhea ripley at the very end of that press event did the shoey you know taking a beer and pouring it in your shoe and drinking it and it almost made amy sick because <laughs> they had made reference multiple times during this 45 minute oh, one hour long however long the the press thing was about how they were outdoors in 100 degree heat <laughs> and waller waller had been there for like the entire time 
He came oh, out of the no. beginning and then was backstage for it and came back out at the end. And he took his own shoe off. Like in the, I, I think for the actual pay-per-view, it was like a prop shoe, like a, you know, whatever. No, he and Rhea both took their actual shoes off during that press event and poured a beer in it. I think she only drank a little bit of it. He drank the whole beer. Wow. And big thing there. I don't Thank get you. it, but more power to him. My one comment was, well, I guess maybe that's a way to make a Foster's taste better because <laughs> I'm not, I've had Foster's and I'm not a fan. <laughs> Wake up with an ingrown tongue. <laughs> I got a bunion having, on my lip. <laughs> having worked for Outback, their Bloom and Blonde Ale that they make there, that's specially sold at Outback. That's actually pretty good, though. I mean, I'm not impressed with Foster's, but the Bloom and Blonde Ale they sell there is actually pretty all right. I'm but sure there's nice. probably good beer in Australia, but Foster's isn't it. Well, yeah. I mean, anytime you outsource a chain from another country. Wasn't it Austin Theory that made a comment about the Bloomin' Onion? Yeah, he came out and got the cheap by mentioning that. <laughs> He's a Bloomin' <laughs> idiot. <laughs> the one time I was working, we actually had people in there who have been to Australia and went to an Outback. They're like, they don't think anything different of it. They're like, it is what it is. Good news is Rollins is announcing he's almost medically cleared to return to in-ring action. Cody Rhodes issues a one-on-one challenge to The Rock. Seth pretty much says, hey, you know, I've got your back and facing the bloodline. And then Austin Theory gets his ass beat. Yep. yep. I was going to say good all the way around. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Four entrances, four huge crowd reactions for all of them. I mean, it was Seth. good business. All the filler and all the stuff, it was all good. Somebody online, I forget where I read it, made the comment that the third eye Seth had on his forehead, was that the one he took from Ray a couple years ago? <laughs> I don't know, but Amy complained about those sunglasses at least five times. Oh, they were God, so ugly. even dumber than normal. Look at those. <laughs> <laughs> they were so damn ugly. Tell her I agree. I couldn't stop staring at them because they were so damn ugly. That'll be the name of his WWE documentary when he retires. Seth Rollins, <laughs> dumber than usual. <laughs> Seth, you're great bell to bell, but whatever you do before and after that, bro, come on. You know what? The gimmick's not for me. Fans love it. I'm glad for the segment that enjoy it. But man, bell to bell, I think he's the best they've got going when he's healthy. It's like that TMZ kind of Hollywood celebrity kind of thing. Outlandish outfits, crazy promos, weird looks. But like you said, bell to bell, it's delivery time. And he delivers, that's for sure. Do you guys think that Seth Rollins is going to turn on Cody Rhodes? No, I think um, it's coming on. Okay. Depending on the finishes at WrestleMania, I would say yes. And it'll probably be involving The Rock somehow, I think. Yeah, I mean, could it be a tag match on night one? I or, think so. or could it be The Rock versus Cody? It sounds like they're trying to set up maybe a tag match for night one. You know, Rollins and Cody versus The Rock and Reigns. But you guys think that those guys will work twice? Night one well, and night two? Let me put my booking cap on here. The way I would book this is I would go with a tag match on night one. Cody and Rollins win. Bloodline goes to jump Cody. Priest cashes in, beats Rollins one, two, three, and takes the title. And on night two, you have Priest versus Drew for the title. That way, Rollins is protected working in a tag match and doesn't have to work a 20, 25-minute main event style match since he's hurt. It gets the briefcase taken care of. It gets the belt off of him. Drew beats Priest, getting that satisfaction. And then you have Drew Priest as your feud coming out of Mania while Seth takes three or four months off to rest up and heal up. And then maybe when he comes back, maybe then he turns on Cody. I just love how if you follow that, then there's going to be a whole bunch of injured guys lining up to take on Drew McIntyre. You know, CM Punk, you're going to have Seth Rollins sitting here. You're going to have like all these hurt guys coming back in a row, which I mean, is totally fine. I think that'd be entertaining as hell. 
Cody versus Roman fit in into that? Well, that's your night two main event. Something has happened in tag match between Rock and Roman to create that animosity going into night two and that uncertainty going into night two. I was thinking, Chris, does maybe Cody get the pin, if it is a tag match, on The Rock, gaining his respect? And then as maybe uh, the bloodline starts to interfere in the main event, you know, he prevents that from happening. And Cody needs to get a clean win. I don't want to see him get any type of other win. And then that could set up Rock versus Reigns at SummerSlam, which is rumored to possibly be a two-night event this year. So... Which I think would be great. There's so many stars that we've... Especially after last year's. I haven't done the Da Vinci Code look, trying to find every possible clue and conspiracy and things that The Rock has been doing in his promos, like I've seen people online have been doing, you know, saying, oh, well, when they all held up the one finger for We The Ones, he held up his finger and thumb in the shape of an L. I feel like there's a possibility that this is all setting up Roman, that The Rock is aligning with him to make him feel comfortable, and he's actually going to, kind of like Mike Tyson aligned with DX going into Mania 14, but he actually was siding with Austin. I feel like we could see that same kind kind of thing with the rocket mania this year yeah i agree there is one outside interference i would accept on night two is if the bloodline and the rock are beaten down cody and all hope is lost and you know everyone's losing their mind all of a sudden the glass shatters and rock's face drops rock does the classic like and here comes austin's time out steel chair takes out solo takes out Heyman. rock sells the stutter better than anybody one more for all time sake at wrestlemania <laughs> I think it goes one of two ways. Either The Rock has always been doing this to help Cody in the end, or The Rock's fully aligned with Roman, and we get that special moment with Austin coming out and beating the odds. Because that would make perfect sense. And if the link had a roof, it would be blown into outer space. Yeah. You heard that glass shattered. He comes stomping down and kicks everybody's ass. Well, probably four-wheeler, not stomping, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Valid. <laughs> Very valid. When you said the glass shattering, I thought you were going to say gold dust was going to come out. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> wish. Yeah, I wish. That would be an incredible moment if Cody wins a title. And but, hey, but, there to give him that embrace yeah. at the end would be a great moment. It could be a nice twist at the end if... Cody gets the belt and then he's feuding with the bloodline and they're consistently telling him we're getting the best of you because we're family. It's our blood. And then here comes his brother and uncle Fred. (laughs) (laughs) Any other thoughts on the Grayson Waller effect? I know we kind of went in the full on WrestleMania main event booking mode, but no, I thought it was a great segment. It it served its purpose and exactly when, as I thought it would move on to the men's elimination chamber match with LA Knight. Kevin Owens, Randy Orton, Bobby Lashley, Logan Paul, and Drew McIntyre. I enjoyed this match, not as much as the women's match, because I definitely felt this one was pretty much very predictable. I love oh, it. Logan Paul. What an asshole, man. Beautiful. <laughs> it was fucking beautiful. I mean, what a shot, too, man. And Orton sold it like a million bucks, man. Yep. Yep. Looked great, sounded great, selling was perfect. Orton selling yeah. all night was off the charts. Oh, yeah. There was people going nuts like on social media. Think he's really hurt. And the right. way he sold, I mean, that, that was just incredible. Because the sad part is he probably could have been, and we would not have known any better. True. Especially with the shape he's kind of been in and everything like that. But all six guys came out, put on a great performance. 
especially Logan Paul writing Kevin sucks on the inside of the chamber with the magic mark. I caught that during watching it. I'm like, did somebody write something? Then they look closer. I paused it. I see Kevin sucks. I'm like, well, that is fair. <laughs> did they actually show him writing that? If they did, I missed that I, part. They showed it like in progress. I think you saw him doing something, but you couldn't tell why. Okay. And then it cut back when he was finally died. <laughs> which was great because you saw Owens kind of snarling my dad pointed out he goes you just saw Kevin Owens when he was in the pot over there just snarling and the way the light hit him he was like kind of like a cage kind of psychotic looking animal over at Logan Paul I'm like the story of the match is okay everybody kill Logan Paul was pretty much what it turned into <laughs> KO and Logan did a great job forwarding their feud and I mean obviously there's heat there still and now it kind of looks like Logan and Randy Orton might be a match at WrestleMania. I mean, it's kind of got to be with that finish, but... Could end up being a three-way, Drew. Yeah, there's still meat on the bone if they want to go back to KO and Logan Paul. But I thought they worked great together. I, I thought the guy that probably looked the worst in the match was the guy I picked to win, Bobby Lashley. But, I mean, he still he didn't look weak or anything, but, I mean, comparatively to everybody else, Drew did great in forwarding his, like, unhinged lunatic thing and obviously got the win. I think Logan Paul looked great. The finish was great. Randy Orton looked great, sold his ass off. Everybody looked pretty damn good, but Lashley, I mean, he served a role in the match, and he had, somebody had to take the fall, but they did it well, you know, selling the elbow real good and stuff, so it was done good. Yep, I thought it had a great stories, set up three Mania matches, and the part about Lashley, I mean, it could have been playing that way because he was selling the injured arm, you know, from SmackDown the night before, so... And I was hoping he was going to be the guy. I saw yep. something online where people, I mean, Orton was so believable in the way he was selling that back injury that I saw people speculating, did they send AJ out to attack LA Knight just to get the camera off of Randy because yeah. he was hurt? Like, do you think that they just brought AJ along on a 30 hour of it? Just, just there. And then they're like, oh, well, shit, Randy's hurt. Run out there and hit <laughs> LA Knight care, AJ. This is why we brought you, was just in, in case of injury, break glass and have AJ Styles hit somebody with a chair. No, come on. That, that was planned. Kudos to Orton for making it look like he legit fucked up his back early on in the match. Yeah. And he held that all the way through until the end when it's like, nope, the Viper was just playing mind games with you. Now he's going to take you out and he's going to get your spot. Yep. And if Logan Paul gets Randy going from Seth, putting on an incredible match with Seth Rollins one year to going and defending the U.S. title against Randy Orton another year for a guy that's had a limited amount of matches, that's pretty fucking stellar. I got to say, I was all in on Logan Paul, L.A. Knight, U.S. title, L.A. Knight gets the belt and gets to be our champ every week on the show. Randy Orton doing U.S. title open challenge and working with young guys week in and week out on TV. Sign me the fuck up for that. That could be amazing. Randy, I think, realizes he doesn't have as much time left on this side of his career as he did in the other side, but he's working like a guy that knows that he's going to make the most out of the time he has left in the ring. So he's going to be putting in good matches, putting in good work, and helping out and get he's, other guys over. He's essentially giving back. It's essentially what he should be doing at this stage in his incredible career. But you're seeing him sell more than he normally would and more intently. And that's probably why people are so like convinced that it was real. He's really doubling down on his work and it shows you know, like 25 years of experience now. And he's well seasoned and a real pro. And he's just going to help create new stars if he does uh, yep. what Mike says and is the champion and has that open challenge. And somebody looks better after the match in the way they did coming into it. So you know, I would be all for that scenario right there. 
I was fully convinced we were going to get Randy and Solo at Mania, but much like Mike said, you get him going over Logan Paul and doing that, that's also an acceptable route. I wouldn't be surprised to see Logan go over on Randy, though. I wouldn't be surprised to see him put him over. Mm Mm-hmm. As long as we get the giant prime can out and Randy RKO's the giant prime can. <laughs> Logan Paul's a special kind of fucking asshole, man. Oh, he like, is. Writing on the pod. I mean, that's different level heel shit, man. That's not, you know, going into the ring going, the Eagles suck. That's asshole level stuff, man. It's, yeah. He's in there. Dude, he's in the pocket with that shit. Like what Mike always says, I just wish he'd be around more. He is a classic old school heel. Like when he took out those knuckles and he was just like, look at him, like, you know, with that. Yeah. Line. Like, look at, I got it. I got it. And he's great. You can tell he's a fan and it comes across. And when you're a fan and you put that, love and effort into it it shines and he's shining so bright right now like a modern day tully blanchard to me a little undersized and a true to life absolute prick man like he's yeah. really an asshole yeah he's yeah. a real heel yeah the high school quarterback jerk you hate right the i want to see you get your ass beat repeatedly by everybody and that's what the match pretty much turned into there by the end is like everybody get your hands on logan to do something to him practically and i'm okay with la knight facing aj styles i mean that's too Talents should have a pretty solid match. I can't believe AJ Styles traveled that many miles just to attack LA Knight. Like the psychology of that whole thing right there, that that would, him coming in to do what he did. If you noticed, they kept the door shut after Logan Paul lost. My thinking is like the ref's thinking, hey, we can't keep this door open. Because look at what happened last time it kept open yep. and the left of the right. moment to keep Logan Paul in there to do what he did at the end. So, I mean, just that little psychology right there is something that I love. You know? It's a great point, Mark. Yep. Yeah, it was fantastic. That was one of my notes. And I have such a respect and love for the, these guys, like not just like bookers and stuff like that, but people who can write, you know, stories and books and stuff like that. The brains that these people have, you know, you can see it after you read it or see it. And it's like, how the heck do they think of little things? Put in, put in the little bits and pieces here and there into see the dots lined up afterward it's amazing how people can do that it's, it's to our benefit as fans oh for sure yeah we make it a point here to say how much smarter it feels at points now and that goes into that you get people connecting all those little dots together like those moments it's like well shit okay yeah, yeah they're getting you to have to focus on everything that's going on because they're no longer trying to insult your intelligence because there was a lot of that for a long time. Absolutely. And now it's like, you got to be paying attention because there's little clues dropped everywhere in what's going on. Yep. Especially like old time fans, all of us. I know you guys are all a little older than me, but the old school mentality is there and I love it. Yep. Let's move on to the main event. We have hometown hero Rhea Ripley taking on Nia Jax. The ovation for Rhea was unreal. I mean, we expected it, but it was a really a special moment to see. You can tell, by the way, time she finally got down to the end there, she was trying not to cry, which I thought was kind of special. I don't want her eyeliner to run. <laughs> Did anybody so. else catch the fan in the crowd with a sign that said, this is Rhea country? I made a little note saying I thought it was a continent, but... <laughs> <laughs> Very well done. I don't think Rhea Continent has the same range. <laughs> well done, sir. I did not notice that, but that's pretty funny. You know, I had high hopes for this match, and for the most part, they delivered. I felt Nia was just a little sloppy around the edges, but I think that was, you can read it into it as desperation and trying to put Rhea away because she was literally throwing everything at her, dominating the match, doing what she could do to win, and she knew it wasn't enough when Rhea made the babyface comeback. What do you guys think? 
I liked it. I, I mean, I actually thought Nia it could have been her best match since NXT London against, I think it was, was that against Bailey? I think, wasn't it? I thought it was one of her best matches. The table spot looked brutal. I don't know if they did some adjusting on that. I mean, they didn't even bother to clear the table for Pete's sake. That uh, like I, her. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like I love the monitor hit her right in the Yeah. Yeah, I, I was like, they didn't even clear it. And she's like splashing her on. I'm like, oh, yeah. Then then I think she did an elbow instead. That was a change at the moment instead of a, doing a splash of some sort. But then I liked Naya taunting Rhea's family was great. Maybe I'm just getting older, but I was like so happy for Rhea to experience a moment like this in her where she's from and everything. And especially after COVID, where she was separated from her family for so long and everything. It was just a feel good moment. I heard some people online describe it as like, you know, Hogan and Naya was playing the Andre spot. So I liked it. it it wasn't a five-star classic, but it served its purpose, and that was, I thought it was a pretty good match, and I loved that it was the main event, and everybody went home happy. Yep. The feeling of, like, Flair versus Vader from, was it Starcade 93? Yeah. They had that kind of feeling, like the homecoming, the or Starcade 83, you know, the flair for the gold. Like, here's our hometown person, except, yep. you know, she wasn't going for the belt. She was established already, but it had that, that hometown, home-cooking feeling to it. Yeah, I loved it. And then her, you know, celebrating with the family at the end was a perfect way to end it. Mike, what were your thoughts on the match? Good, sir. I thought it was great. I had forgotten about the Nia Bailey match from NXT TakeOver London. I'm going to have to go back and watch that this evening now. Yeah. Because at the very least, this is her best match since then. It might be her best match in WWE. I don't know. I'll have to watch that one and then rewatch this match with Rhea and see how I rate them. But I thought Nia was, she's been so much better this go round and this just continued it. And Rhea's always fantastic. It was nice for her to have to kind of work from underneath a little bit because that's not something she really ever has had to do. She's yeah. always been bigger or stronger than pretty much everyone she's faced. So it was a nice change there. And if this is like the start of the Rhea face turn, then it's a great way to get things rolling. And she's going to be an even bigger star if she gets to be a face for a while. So just a perfect way to build things going for Mania. Rhea gets the big win here now she gets to face becky for the first time huge match and next year i know spiker wants Rhea versus bianca at mania next year Rhea tiffany yeah Rhea and jade there there we go there's so many options that you can build to and like we talked about during the women's elimination chamber match and i think we mentioned it on the preview show they are so deep in top end women's talent in that main event title scene it's an yeah. amazing time yeah. and i'm so glad to see it and i'm glad that they got the actual main event on this show that was so important in my opinion for Rhea especially to get that honor and like Mark said it was not a five star classic but I feel like they definitely delivered and showed that they deserved that spot absolutely yeah I agree I liked how like Chris said Nia was a little sloppy but it was more of a like a controlled sloppiness I guess to where it made it look it added that element of realism to you know her movements and the job she was delivering, but I thought that it looked good for Rhea too to absorb all that and to have to sell and register all that stuff. And then, like you said, Mike, fight from underneath a little bit. And how Chris said, and I had that desperation at the end of trying to finish Rhea off, but she kept, you know, doing the baby face comeback, kicking out at two and a quarter every time. But then Rhea, at the same time, do I need to go get a gun type fucking look on her face? What else? <laughs> it went both ways in that desperation. That was yeah, that was a good part of the sell. Good. 
desperation is the perfect word for it, too. Yeah. Desperation and exasperation on Naya's part that she couldn't put Rhea away because she's never had trouble. Exactly. Because she's always been so much bigger and stronger. And against a normal opponent, she'd have won that match three or four times. And right. with each near fall, you could just see her unraveling, essentially. Do I have to shoot her to put her down? What do I have to do? Nothing's working. And in the end, you know, Rhea just had more in the tank and was just that much better. And that's what I meant to say was Nia was getting sloppy, but I only really noticed it towards the end because she goes, what else do I have to do? So it was like throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks. I wasn't saying as in general, the first part of that, she was freaking phenomenal. She was beating her down. It was very systematic. And then there were three things I wrote down that I definitely wanted to call out. The one when she took the tumble off the apron and you had the crowd chanting, my hole. (laughs) The spot when she went for the Annihilator and Rhea got her up on her shoulders, I'm like, oh, shit. And my heart kind of stopped. I'm like, oh, this could go really good or really, really bad, please. And then she dropped. I'm like, oh, thank God. And the superplex. Yes. That was beautiful. Just everything about yes. it. As soon as they hit the mat, you just saw the crowd go, wee! <laughs> a lot of what Nia was doing had a lot of high impact. It was almost weird to see Rhea's normally the one in that spot where everything she does is high impact compared to her opponent, who's usually a little smaller than her. That was the great sell, was her overcoming someone bigger. So, I mean, now nobody can hold that thing and say, that's like Hogan beating Andre. It really was. And that's overcoming the insurmountable. It's almost like the time off after she got released was either a wake-up call or something just made it click. She got in better shape. She seems to understand it better now, and she's coming off as a believable monster, and everybody wants to see Bianca versus Jade. I think it's too soon for WrestleMania, but could you guys see like Jade facing somebody like Anaya Jax? I don't think you'd want Jade, not like a Warrior Triple H kind of WrestleMania match, but I would think you'd want Jade to go over decisively on her first Mania to set her off onto a feud. I just imagine Jade doing the running close lines and the shoulder block and the the running splash like Warrior did. It was very much a gorilla monsoon moment with the irresistible force versus the immovable object. It was turning the Rhea match formula on its head and telling a different story because normally she's Goliath in the story and that wasn't the case here. It's like we've said, they've done such a better job of storytelling within these matches and this is a perfect example of telling a great story from start finish of Nia looking dominant and physically imposing and imposing her wheel or will upon if you wheel early on if you <laughs> wheel and then as we said unraveling and getting desperate and not knowing what to do to finish things off it's the perfect jumping off point for a face turn like Mark said it would be a great thing then for Jade to come out and face Nia and overcome that obstacle because here she's proven that she took Rhea to the limit Rhea had to really dig down to get past her Nia lost but she came out of it still looking strong that's one thing, the Triple H booking. It's no longer 50-50 booking, and people yep. are coming out of matches looking better than they started the match with, and they lost. I mean, that's, I love it. I love it. It's a nice change. It is. Yeah. It is. It really, really is. And the further we get into the Triple H regime, and they're telling their own self-contained stories from the time he took over, and you're seeing it more and more through the roster. He's building such a core. I know I said it before. I said it during the Rumble. In recent memory, have we had such a stacked, just main event scene like we do right now? Probably not since like Triple H, Rock, and Undertaker, and Angle, and that time just- frame right there so many viable people and it's awesome both elimination chambers you had an argument that any one of those competitors could have won 
Yeah. And usually when they have these type of matches, you're like, nah, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. Okay, there's two or three that are going to probably win. I mean, I mean, they had us thinking Randy Orton could be winning this thing at the end, which is fantastic. For sure. And logically, yeah. it wouldn't be illogical for it to happen. Right. Yeah. It's not like you're sticking Elias in there with John Cena and Bray Wyatt. Everybody's like, well, you know who's cannon fodder here? There wasn't in either match to right. say, okay. Yeah, or like when they put Kane and money in the bank. He's here to hold the ladder and catch guys. <laughs> <laughs> But this whole show, we ended with, we know, you know, the top four main events, maybe a fifth for WrestleMania. And between that and Raw last night, I mean, we got a bunch of other matches sprinkled in there, too. What else is great is looking back at some of these older, you know, I don't want to say older, but more recent cards where they have like the smaller amount of matches you're rotating out everybody so everybody's kind of getting a shot survivor series you had dragon lee and santosh and everybody's kind of getting their stories yet you're still kind of maintaining all these different feuds but you're kind of mixing the pot a little bit and i like that i know a lot of people don't like two-day wrestlemania but i fucking love it i do too i do too agreed (laughs) i mean you're not putting 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag you get two equally filled five pound bags of shit and it's beautiful Exactly. I'd rather have two great nights of matches than one night with an Andre the Giant Battle Royals with everybody throwing there just to give them a spot in a woman's battle royal because you have no room to put them. Having two nights is smart. And and having it run six or seven hours. Was it WrestleMania 2000 when they did the all day? Yes. It was on all day long. I loved that in 2000, you know, 24 (laughs) years ago when I was 20 years old. That was great. I drank beer all day. I had people coming in and out of my apartment. We had pizzas. We had, you know, it was a party. It was great. I don't want an all day WrestleMania anymore. I don't want a six hour WrestleMania. Give me four hours. Four hours is good. Do it twice, Saturday and Sunday. I'd love it if we go to that for SummerSlam going forward. I think that's great. I could almost go with the Rumble going to two nights and maybe even Survivor Series. I was getting ready to say, no, leave those one night. But if you had two night events for both of those, then each War Games match and each Rumble match is going to stand out more because just like Elimination Chamber here, there was nothing wrong with the men's match at all. Nope. No, nope. But it didn't compare to the women's match, I don't think. And you're always going to have that in a show where there's two matches. One's going to be better. And nine times out of 10, the one that goes on first, they know that they've got to deliver and they over deliver. Charlie Murphy. You know, habitually, he would cross that line. You know, he would get out of pocket habitually, you know. So if he was setting a tone, you know, him being the tone setter, if you will, he would habitually set the tone. (laughs) Tone setter. Then you can't, (laughs) you can't top it later on. So maybe... Maybe two nights for the Rumble and Survivor Series 2 and do the Big Four as two-night events. I feel like you could definitely make that work. Yep. I mean, they definitely get the talent to do it. Yeah. yeah exactly. I, I just love it, man. If you get a chance to make two different kinds of dip, you can have pizza one day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could have pie. I could have cake. Italian <laughs> beef. Meatball subs. <laughs> Because, God, I mean, I remember, you know, a lot of those WrestleManias after 30, I think it was like 33. I'm like, this is just dragging now. Good Lord, is this over yet? 34, 35, it's midnight. No, we're just starting the main event. I'm like, what the fuck? And, and they were on Sundays with two nights of exactly. on Saturday. And when I went and to WrestleMania gonna... last year in California, I thought it was fantastic because it started three hours earlier. <laughs> it ended at like, what, nine o'clock instead of midnight. So I'm dying for WrestleMania or, or SummerSlam or something like that in England so I can watch it during the day. Right. That's probably not far off from 
No. The way things have been going. Yeah, didn't John Cena tease that when they were in, was it London for a PLE? Yeah, Wembley. Yeah. I'm looking forward to WrestleMania. I thought it was a great show. And like I said, I already got like 13 matches that could. Let's hear what you got. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I want to hear your card. Yeah. Buddy, come on. <laughs> The four title matches, Roman, Cody, Rollins, McIntyre, Rhea, Becky, Eosky, and Bailey. Then I got either Cody versus Rock, like we talked about earlier, or Cody and Seth versus Roman or Rock for night one. I got Jay Uso versus Jimmy Uso. Logan Paul versus Randy Orton, and I'm putting Kevin Owens in that. Just since Orton's still coming back, I think a three-way would maximize that matchup right there. Of course, you got LA Knight, AJ Styles. I had Bianca versus Jade, but then I changed it to Jade versus Nia, so something to do with Bianca. I got Lashley and the Street Profits versus Karrion Cross and Authors of Pain. Judgment Day versus Miz and R-Truth and possibly others. Then I got Gunther versus, looks like they may be setting up something with like Sammy, Chad, and some type of gauntlet possibly there too, or six-pack challenge or something. But I mean, there's still people missing. I mean, how awesome is that? I mean, another reason that the big shows have to be two nights. Do you think Gunther would put his title up in a ladder match? Has he been in a ladder match? I thought he was not too long ago. And I like to see the women get some kind of scramble match for the women, too, to get a few ladies on the card. Yeah, yeah. yeah you still got to do the Kabuki right from the headliners, tag, right? you know what I mean? Some of the second, like the second tier women. You could do a gauntlet match from the women's tag titles or a fatal four-way. Yep. And I feel like between the two tag titles, men's and the women's, and then at least one of the U.S. or IC titles, you can do a gauntlet match with one of them, you can do a six-pack challenge, yep. and you can do a fatal four-way. Yeah. Any of them, like, just make it to where, like, for the ladies, for example, six-woman scramble, four-woman scramble, whatever, winner gets the next title shot at WrestleMania Backlash right. or whatever, you know, just make it like a number one contender match. Yeah. Or maybe a spot in the money in the bank or something. Or, yeah. <laughs> Some sort of stip to dangle the carrot, yeah. Yep. Yeah, because I mean, geez, just going down the list of women's tag teams, I like the idea of the scramble match because I'm sitting here making a list. You have Zoe and Shayna, you have Chelsea and Piper, Candice and Indy could be back in the shuffle. I mean, you put Raquel and Liv Morgan back together. Yep. It just keeps going. There's somebody else. Tiffany's probably going to have to be on any yeah, card. I mean, do you do Bianca and Tiffany? If you do Jade and Nia, do you do Bianca Tiffany? There you go. There's so many people to get on there. You have to go two nights. I know there are people that say there's all these people that get on the show. Everybody doesn't have to be on the show. Well, okay, they don't have to be, but these people have worked their ass off all year long and deserve an opportunity. Yeah be on the show and it doesn't make it less special in my opinion i think it makes it more special because you're getting more reasons to care about these people because they're getting that chance to be on mania and to be on these shows because we just had a pay-per-view with four matches it's not like the days when every show had 12 matches on it and they went five minutes each right outside of your main event You know, Truth came back at Survivor Series and did a fucking Ruffles commercial in the middle of a promo and got (laughs) and you're sold the show. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever your spot on the card at WrestleMania is, just take it, whether it's 20 minutes in the ring or it's 20 seconds on the mic in the back in a segment that might not mean nothing, make the most out of it. I mean, it's WrestleMania. I can't wait for it. And the best part, like we've been saying a couple times, uh, we got almost six weeks from today uh, to build up even more and to make some changes and to keep us on that roller coaster. Six weeks is a long, long time to call a match for the wall, wall, wall. <laughs> <laughs>
The thing is, there's no reason to think they won't continue building over these next six weeks. Oh, of course, yeah. There have been years where you're like, oh, God, there's still six weeks. What are they going to mess up between now and then? How we there's no at it that way, right? <laughs> there's no fear. There's no trepidation about that. Now. Yep. It's just what amazing things coming next. Yeah, the pessimism's gone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless you're being intentionally pessimistic and, and watching it out of spite or hate, whatever oh, weird, why you would do that in the first place. Yeah, I, it's just, yeah, I, I don't know why but people there do are that. People <laughs> that do. You know, we just spent, Ashlyn and I spent our entire afternoon trying to watch what was supposed to be hours and hours of New Japan that had recorded on Access TV, only to find out that out of 30 hours, one of them was actually New Japan and everything else was different music documentaries and things or tom green talk show or something like none of it was what it said all these matches like nakamura versus okada and all this stuff that was supposed to be on here and it wasn't we watch tna we watch aew if ring of honor was on tv we'd watch it there's so much good wrestling and so much good talent out there i don't know why you wouldn't watch any of it just to appreciate what's happening and enjoy it yeah I cannot understand the mindset of a spending some of your time because you have a finite amount of time. It's not unlimited. So why you would take some of it and watch something you actively dislike or hate, I don't get it all. But yeah, there's, there's people, Mike, unfortunate people out there just love to be negative and harp on things like that. And almost like they get excited to, you know, piss people off. But right. the older you get, you realize there's no time for that stuff. Exactly. After the show was over and I'm sitting there, I go, you know what? I haven't been this excited. I mean, WrestleMania is always a big, it's always been a big event in the household forever. I've not been this excited for a WrestleMania in a very long time. Maybe since 30 or 31, honestly. So it's been a long time where I'm just super hyped for like everything. I got to start thinking about what I'm going to eat. <laughs> exactly. I just thought it's usually right around the Royal Rumbles when they start announcing Hall of Famers. They haven't done that yet. I mean, I know probably part of the reason is because they don't have to sell it as a separate event anymore. It's after SmackDown. But I mean, any quick thoughts on who could be going in will, will be like a, a Paul Heyman or yeah, somebody like that think. since it's in Philly. I'd like to see Demolition. Ivan Koloff should definitely go in. <laughs> All the guys that should have been in, but they were attached themselves to those lawsuits, right? Yeah, that whole yeah. concussion lawsuit. I think Heyman's a great shout because of being in Philly. Yep. Dudley's are already in, right? They would have yep. made a lot of sense here. RVD in? I think he is he. Yeah. About Corny and the Midnights. I, I mean, who would have heard about that from now? They're, but, yeah. they're over too. For sure. I think Ivan Koloff is a good call, Drew, just because I'm sure he worked an awful lot of big matches in Philly back in the day. He beat Bruno. That alone, right there. Yeah. Right, but I mean, because of it, with Mania being in Philly, I, you know, he was in the main event scene for a good while there. So I'm sure he had to have had some big matches in Philadelphia that count. I'd say if he goes in, though, somebody like an Ivan Koloff, unfortunately, you know, with him not being around to take in the moment, he could be somebody that gets inducted part of that legacy wing if they bring that back. Yeah. Uh, yes, maybe Stan Stasiak, too. I don't think he's in either. Another former champ. Yep. Yeah. But he might have gotten one of those legacy nod things, too. I know. Brody gets a legacy nod, and then Coco Beware gets a 40-minute speech. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... Which I get it. I mean, Bruiser Brody's dead and stuff, but, you know... Well, and he didn't work there really so well no yeah. he did in the 70s yeah in the 70s right. in the late 70s <laughs> and abdullah never worked there and he got a here's a shot in the dark that people from ecw would know but if you don't know him or have ever listened to him talk fonzie would be perfect because fonzie was employed by how many people 
Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. WWE. Yeah, he was a ref. Yeah, because he's got some great Giant Gonzalez stories. Yes, he does. Right down the middle, Daddy. Right down the middle, Daddy. One of my favorite dudes. Somebody's, somebody's going to have to have their finger on the bleep button. <laughs> True. Religiously. Hold just ready because Daddy's great, but boy, he's not safe for work. Somebody just have their finger on the ticker. How many times he says Daddy during the course of his yeah. acceptance speech? The Eliminators wouldn't be bad, you know, just to see Perry Satin get his due. Yeah. John Cronus is dead, though, isn't he? He is. Yeah. He is. Okay. Yep. Dean Malenko, or is he still with AEW? He is I still with still, AEW, but. I think him and Jerry Lynn are both still agenting. I mean, everybody from back in the day pretty much is in already. Yeah. Same like, man, but. I thought there was somebody that was rumored or speculated heavily like months ago. Davy Boy? They would go in besides Heyman, but. Man, I I kids out there. Or Sandman or Adrian uh, Adonis. That's something else over the next six weeks we get to look forward to. I always love that. And I do hope they bring back the legacy part because even though they don't get that honor live, you know, it's good to get some recognition and people talking about them again, even if it's just for a moment. Are there any celebrities with ties to Philly? That haven't gone in yet. Hmm. The bird of the prey. <laughs> <laughs> the trash man. The trash, the trash man. There you go. I was just about to say. He was more in New York, but why don't they just finish? Oh, I was going to say finish the story, but somebody else is already going to do that. Glad the super fan in. Yeah. Warrior recipient or something. Yeah. I still need to watch a documentary. Oh, it's fantastic, Chris. It's great. With the Philly connection for it with ECW. I mean, the guys that are available. I mean, Taz is with AEW. Tommy Dreamer's with TNA, I think, right? But Rick Flair Never. went in uh, with the Horseman when he was uh, in TNA. Dixie Carter. Yep. Why don't you put in Hat Die? Hey. Why don't we put in Jamie Ward? He was at those ECW Maybe Sabu goes in. Shout out to our boy Jamie Ward, everyone's favorite mailman. And Sabu's not everybody's cup of tea, but that dude definitely changed the business, man. He was a one of a kind, for real. Crazy son of a bitch. Who else was a, one of the ECW people? Guido and Tommy and Big Sal. We know it won't be Shane Douglas. Yeah. <laughs> well, Talk about editing and induction speed. It's a different day now, maybe. You never uh, maybe, know. Maybe, but I don't think H likes him either, but. Yeah, that was my thought. Douglas is still steady talking shit all over the internet. Yeah. Because Mike Awesome's dead. Dudley's are in. Ryan was still employed by TNA, isn't he? What about Tommy Rich? Yeah, put Tommy Rich in with the FBI. Him, Guido, Big Sal. You could just put him in and you could use the Philly tie in from the FBI. And J.P. Smith. I, love I, mean, I just love the FBI. That's why I was kind of hoping. Yeah. <laughs> I Unfortunately, Tracy cool. Smothers is gone. Yeah. God rest his soul. That dude was one in a million, too. Yeah. Some shit came out of that man's mouth. Yep. Balls and Axel. Yeah, that's the problem. Like, pretty much we're all damn gone, you know? Yeah. I know. I think Gary Wolf's still alive, isn't he? I think he is, yeah. 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 He worked that show down in Florida for him and Dave Sierra or something like that. I put that flyer in the crew. God, JT Smith still floating around somewhere. Mikey Whiprack. The gangsters. <laughs> Mikey, Mikey. Mikey had a heck of a career, man, for a ECW ring crew kid or whatever his story was. I think him and uh, what was the other kid? Oh, God, there was all sorts of them. He was a punching bag. There was him. There was Hack Myers. There was. He was, there a, was a small guy like Mikey. He was like five, six Paul's laureate, Loria. Which, oh, yeah, Puerto Ricano, Pablo Marquez, he was good. Although that sounds terrible now. You could put Tajiri in and have William Regal do the introduction. That's a good one. Impact players. Yeah. I don't know if Lance Storm would go for that or not. Fuck Candido. Yeah. God rest his soul. It might be a hot topic right now with Tammy and her situation. 
Yeah, I know. You can't really. That shouldn't take away from what Chris could do, though. You can't tell his story without at least mentioning her. True. And now's probably not the time to have any mention of her. I'm trying to get a lot of people in is, and they don't do this, but maybe it could be a start or something where they introduced a moment or a match or something and maybe barely legal was it 97 yeah inducted into the hall of fame there you go with terry funk winning the ecw title he just passed away this year you could do that Matt. yeah is butch reed in the hall of fame no what about mike awesome no i don't think he is no or tanaka yeah, there is a lot out there. It'll be interesting to see what they do. I'm sure they're working all those indie shows because there's no shortage of indie shows like usual running that area that week. Yeah, I know, yeah. I mean, you could induct Two Cold Scorpio. That wouldn't be a bad one. Yeah. That one big headliner, like, I mean, who's out there still besides the people that are, like, kind of on the list of Demolition, Ivan Koloff, those type of people. Rick Martell. Yeah. Rick Martell, to me. Rick Martell would be. Adrian Adonis, I think, should be in. Would Martell want to do it, though? Because it sounds like he doesn't want anything to do with wrestling anymore. How about the Mountie? The Mountie in the Hall of Fame? Uh, I don't think they are, no. Let's do the Rougeos in general. There you go. Rougeau family. I mean, do you know Bravo? Hercules? Yeah, there's a lot. Going down the list here to see if there's anybody that... I know that they've, at least, it's like announced as far as your tickets for SmackDown and everything. It's announced that they're doing it. But yeah, we haven't heard any names. So maybe it'll be a smaller class. I don't know. Are there any women that didn't? I mean, we've got the Mildred Burke movie coming out this year. Although I I think she might be in the legacy part. Didn't a lot of the WWE women that were going to be in it, didn't they get replaced by AEW talent? So maybe they don't want to associate with that. Yeah. I mean, Luna Vashon, maybe. Yeah. Um, You know who's not in is Magnum TA. Nikita. Yeah. If they did Ivan, they could have Nikita induct him. Yeah, that would be pretty cool, right? Yeah. And then induct Demolition, too, and Darso can come out and do Crusher Khrushchev with him. (laughs) (laughs) See, it all comes full circle. And you guys see that Tamatonga apparently might be WWE bound? Oh, that would be a good signing. Great. Yeah. I read that he's done done, and apparently he's looking to go to the East. So I'm like, okay, I'd be curious to see what he could do there. I think he'd fit right in. Yep. What's happening with MGF? He's still with AEW, right? I mean, that's a whole storyline, him not being back yet. I think it's all storyline, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it has to be. It would be amazing oh, for him to... How uh, badass would it be, though? <laughs> oh, Just reach right in their chest and rip their fucking heart out. He'd, he'd <laughs> fit right in. He would be great. MGF shows up at WrestleMania. Yeah. There would be like a meltdown of epic proportions. Yeah, he comes out on the stage after Cody wins. <laughs> they could sign MJF for WrestleMania. That would literally be Triple H <laughs> into Twitter or X's internet heart and just ripping the heart right out of the internet wrestling. <laughs> All you would see would be Triple H sitting there in front of Tony Khan's cocaine pile like he's Scarface. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah, the internet would just implode upon itself if MJF oh, no. for WrestleMania. I'm, I'm still holding out hope that Okada changes his mind and goes to WWE and not AEW. I don't want to see Okada job to Jericho. I really don't. Yeah. I don't think that'll happen. I'd rather I see Eric with see him. Rollins and Cody and Orton. Exactly. And, you know, and the list goes on and on and on. And Mike and I have been wanting him and Gunther now since I think he first said that, it. Like That was like my dream booking scenario if they signed Okada was Gunther does an open challenge at Mania. Hmm. And that's where Okada debuts the music hit. The money falls down from the ceiling and 
out he comes and he takes the IC title in his debut. I mean, that would be amazing. Yeah, it would I be mean, amazing. I mean, as soon as you said it, I'm like, yes, this. <laughs> yeah, he, smash him over. That way people are forced to know and find out who he is if they're just casual fans. Yeah, Okada hitting Gunther with the Rainmaker and pinning him and be like, what just happened? Granted, Okada versus Brian Danielson is a great match. Handful of other guys in AEW, but I mean, you could literally list a dozen guys in WWE that would just be main event caliber matches for him. Right, because we've seen him wrestle a lot of the guys in AEW already. Yeah. He's wrestled Osprey. He's wrestled Omega. You know what I mean? Like, they'd be more fresh matchups, I think, in WWE. If he goes to AEW, I'm sure he'll be fantastic. And give me Swerve Strickland versus Okada. That'd be fun. There's matchups to be had there. The difference, Michael, is I would rather have four-star matches of Okada with a storyline that I am heavily behind than just a five-star match that blows me away, but I'm not invested in it. I want to be invested in a story, and if you get a five-star match to tell that story, I mean, even better. I mean, that's the difference. Not to crap on AEW, but you got to invest in storylines to make these people care and get to that next level of casual fan, you know? I agree. Got to get the emotional side into it, too. Yeah, I love the roller coaster, you know? But the AEW fan will tell you they cater to wrestling fans, and it's wrestling. Yeah, yeah, well... (laughs) But WWE has better wrestling, too, though, in my opinion. I'd rather have slightly worse but still great wrestling. Right. The stories than the best wrestling and no buildup. Or, hey, sometimes the buildup there is like Hogan and Goldberg at the Georgia Dome. Yeah. You know, you put on these great matches, but there's no build to it. And they mean It's great to see these guys wrestle for the first time. But, you know, I'd rather you spend three weeks building up why they're going to wrestle. Yeah. No? You remember the great match, but you forget about it easily because it wasn't a big moment or storyline that, oh, yeah, I remember when this happened and this happened and then they had the match. Yeah. I still can't believe they're wasting Sting's last match on those oh. two more runs. Oh, don't even get me started on that. Jesus. Dude, dude, you should hear my tyrant. I'm sure we probably sound a lot alike. You know Sting is going to have zero problem doing a job and putting somebody over in his last match because he knows that's what you do. Yeah. He respects that aspect of the business. He's never had a problem doing it. So why, why is he putting over someone who will gain zero from it? Amen. Amen. Probably because they're executive (laughs) vice presidents who can give him a six-figure payoff. I guess, but... (laughs) But see, everything now is just proving CM Punk right, though. This kind of shit is proving CM Punk more right than before. Tony Khan should be looking at this from the standpoint of, I want this to help cement a star, not... I want to placate these two guys. These two idiots. It gets them the tag titles, and they get to say that they retired Sting. Right. No. Yeah, I know. Him against Wardlow. Darby. House Hobbs against somebody. Against Darby. Darby's one of your four pillars, right? Supposedly. Let it be just a thing where Sting says, I have so much respect for you. I want my last match to be with you. I want to be, I've shared the ring with you as a partner. I want to share the ring with you as an opponent in my last match. That would be awesome. That's a good scenario. I'd be okay with that too. I mean, you could build that in no time and make it 
mean so much where this isn't gonna i mean yeah they attacked sting and darby and they beat up sting's two sons hard to imagine how that happened the first time we've ever seen sting's kids in the front row at the match that they're not going to somehow get involved here right i mean like come on just i don't know darby and sting 45 minutes just like at the clash right (laughs) i mean like seriously i'm over him yeah Make a guy the same way you got made. Yeah. I love that idea, Michael. Hashtag Sting deserves better. He does. And I'm not even a huge Sting mark or anything. Like, I liked Sting fine, but I was a Flair guy. You know, I always cheered Flair against Sting. I always laughed when Sting got turned on by somebody. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I just, I don't get it. Perfect world scenario, I'd like to see Sting and Undertaker. Yeah. I really wish that, I mean, I understand Sting didn't trust the WWE to do right by him. He spent a lot of time in TNA and helped them survive as a company. And that's great. All respect to him. But man, if he could have come in five years earlier than he did. I know. Some of the matches that he could have had. To be fair, he gave us some pretty good dream matches in TNA, though, too. I mean, we got him versus AJ, him versus Angle, all of which were pretty damn good matches. I mean, Sting's been an all-time favorite, and then you have AJ Styles, who's like one of the newer favorites of mine, and it's like, holy shit, it's like two worlds colliding in a way. As great as those matches were, they didn't have the significance that Sting Taker would have had had it taken place in a time where they could both still really, really go. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you're right. I mean, I totally agree, but you're absolutely right. That's one of those unrealized opportunities. I feel it'd be kind of like uh, how Taker and Goldberg over in Saudi turned out. (laughs) (laughs) Scenario would have been a cool match to go out with. Father Time has other ideas. He's undefeated. Yes, that's true. That is true. Except for Dave Jordan. (laughs) Yep, million-year-old man. Still going. (laughs) You still got it. <laughs> He's the pro Magnum man. Yeah. That was the recap for the Elimination Chamber, the final big stop on the road to WrestleMania. As you can see, we were pretty happy with the show overall, gentlemen. We're pretty damn excited for WrestleMania now, I feel. I feel like we're all getting pretty jazzed, and hopefully that is carried over. Before we do anything else, Mark, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Oh, yes. thank you for having me. I loved it. This has been a blast and, you know, you've got a lot of wrestling history. So we are going to have you back on at some point for a whole episode just to discuss your background in the wrestling scene up where you're at in Massachusetts and around that area. And you can hopefully share with us some stories of your time because I know you've rubbed elbows with quite a few legends and current roster guys. And just let me know. I'll be up for that. On behalf of all of us here and Big Bell, who unfortunately cannot make it, we want to thank you for coming on and hanging out with us. Thanks again. So we will catch you next time on the other ship. We would like for you to check out our friend Shoreline Gems on Facebook at Shoreline Gems. If you're looking for some unique individual pieces of beach glass jewelry, some one-of-a-kind gifts, reasonable prices, and a great product, check out our friends at Shoreline Gems on Facebook. Also, we'd like for you to check out our buddies in Luna Worldcast at LunaWorldcast.com, courtesy of Megafauna Records. Definitely check them out. You can become a Patreon member for them, and you can live stream all of their shows. You can get 15% off of their merch. So definitely check out our friends and fellow other shipper, Stephen Rafel's daughter, Taylor, who is also another shipper. And we also would like for you to check out our friends, Katie and Amy, at the What's the Vibe podcast, wherever you podcast and on YouTube. 
definitely check them out. They're starting up season three for their episodes now. So definitely check them out. They usually drop every Monday. So give them a look-see on YouTube or wherever you podcast. Check out our buddy Jason D'Agostino and his buddy David on the Not Another Sports Podcast, wherever you podcast and YouTube. Show them some support. Definitely want to say what's up to the Cause Chaos guys, Shard, and everybody's big brother, Stephen Burho. Keep getting better, everybody. Love you guys. And hopefully we'll be seeing people down the road. Valentine's is over. So that's a wrap. Hopefully you guys, uh, everybody got a good gift for their significant other or for themselves if need be. But now we're on a hunt because it's that time of year. I look for the Arkansian leprechaun, which is uh, the Graftonian leprechaun. Very tiny, small green thing. And what I'm trying to say is get a present for your favorite leprechaun in your life. You don't have to get him a pot of gold because in this economy, the next best thing you could do is to get a fine product from our tea Public store, which we have all kinds of things. As a matter of fact, I'm going to might risk it all again for a big, big shirt and stretch it out because I want a Hickamania shirt because it's fantastic. There's all kinds of designs there. (laughs) It's so cool, yeah. It made me laugh my butt off today. But anyway, there's so many cool designs that are hilarious, fantastic, apply to all kinds of stuff and jokes in the show. And I promise if you get a shirt and like, what the hell does this mean? We'll fill you in, maybe, if you're lucky on what some of it is. But there's all kinds of cool stuff there. T-shirts, mugs, tote bags, stickers, magnets, all kinds of cool stuff. So check it out. And while you're checking stuff out if you're bored you scroll on your phone maybe pooping looking for that pot of gold you know the rainbow whatever you do you know don't hesitate to maybe do a little thumb tapping and write a review for the show do a little rating give us some love we would love it any exposure is good exposure and hey if you guys uh, have a business or any kind of service product reach out you can advertise on the show especially huge in germany so like german chocolate that time of year thanks guys any legal business or product you have we would love to advertise for you <laughs> let's make sure we reinforce that it's got to be legal beyond that we would like to remind you to check out our good friends the josephines at the josephines.net buy an album buy a cd show the guys some love we'd also like for you to check out our good friend hot rod rodney swift and his wife over on youtube at it's mr and mrs swift 2017 with their series of music reaction and re-reaction videos give them a like subscribe to their account and enjoy their content please check out the wrestlecopia podcast network and their shows the wrestling grenade monday night warfare the wrestling stoop with bob root the regional wrestling shows featuring ray Russell, Roman Gomez, and our good friend Uncle Jamie Ward, as well as their newest show, The Glory Days Grapple Concast with Barry Rose and Nick Massey. You can find out all about Glory Days Grapple Con taking place on April 20th at the Rosen Center in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Get your tickets at eventbrite.com to see the world-class championship wrestling discussion panel hosted by Mark Lawrence with Missy Hyatt, Brian Adias, Jack Victory, Al Perez, and the One Man Gang. A Q&A with Ron Simmons, appearance by Stan Hansen, Matt Riddle, and many more wrestling superstars. I want to give a shout out to Bruce and Cindy Cohen, who will be joining us at GrappleCon. Can't wait to see both of you in a couple of months. You can find out your hotel information and everything about this great event in the Glory Days GrappleCon Facebook group or at Nick Massey's Captain's Corner Facebook page. Speaking of our Facebook page, if you're listening to this and not part of the group, why not? We just hit the 300 member mark this week, so congratulations to everybody, especially to Amy for getting a whole bunch of people to join our nice group. Pretty much the extension of what we do here. Lots of good stuff, memes, funny photos, anything and everything you think of. Plus, we're a pretty decent bunch of people. At least I like to think so. Let's keep it rolling. Let's get to 350, 400. 
keep the ball rolling because we can't do it without you guys. That being said, thanks for joining us here, and we will see you next time. So oh.